0: All right. Hello, everyone. This is Hunter Doyle from The Take. I'm here with Tim Baldwin today, and we're interviewing Brett Myers, 2008 World Series champion, right-handed pitcher from the Phillies. Thank you so much for being with us, Brett. Um, we miss watching you play. I mean, you're a childhood hero of mine and Ian's. Um, just growing up in Philly, watching guys like you and Cole Hamels and Al Hendrick take the mound every day. So thank you so much. Just, just tell us how you're doing, man, and how quarantine's been going and how life after baseball has been, man. Well, uh...
1: You know, the kids out of school has been been pretty tough. Uh, doing the uh, with four of them trying to get them homeschooled and getting their work done is uh like herding cats. So uh, it's pretty uh it's, that's the tough part. But once the once the day's done and they get their schoolwork done, we don't have uh, much to complain about. Been uh, out here on the lake and you know uh, having some fun in the sun. Awesome, man! Glad nice. to hear
0: that. Um. So so for those who don't know you, I don't know. Who watching our podcast wouldn't know you from today but for those who don't know you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into baseball as a kid and just kind of your journey and what got you how you how you were able to pitch through a, like such a long career.
1: Uh, Well um, you know I, I grew up playing baseball I guess uh, I, well that and boxing Um, and uh, my dad uh, I was a pretty good fighter in the gym and stuff like that and my dad just said that you know let's stick to baseball and And, uh, I, I took it serious, uh, probably since, probably as I was, since I was seven, I know that that's like hard to believe that a seven year old can have a dream to play in the big leagues and stuff like that. But I, I really wanted it that bad and I really didn't care who got in my way as long as I got there. And, and, uh, I guess it was just the mentality from the boxing or something like that that pushed me to, to want to be the best and, and, uh you know um it was uh there was a lot of ups and downs trying to get there and stay there and everything like that and you know you find out what type of type of man that you are um and how you bounce back you know it's uh you know like Muhammad Ali said you you get knocked down it's not about how many times you get knocked down so many times you get up so uh with with that being said that, that that's one of the things that I that I kind of uh pushed myself for um just to uh you know, adversity always makes a stronger player and a stronger human being. So, uh, you know, that that right there was one of the big things um, in how you handle failure. And, uh, you know, I try to tell that to my kids today. I, I kind of want them to fail a little bit more than succeeding. But uh, I do like watching them succeed as well. Um, but, you know, there's always a learning moment when you do fail.
2: Absolutely. So... Um, who has been like a role model or an influential coach or person in your life?
1: Coach. Uh, well, I grew up uh, favoring Roger Clemens and Nolan Ryan. I have met those guys before, which was kind of like I felt like they were like nine foot tall and and I met, I met Nolan Ryan after I already had like, I don't know, almost eight, nine years in the big leagues and I still felt like he was... 10 foot tall um and uh, first time I met Roger Clemens, I swear he was 10 foot tall but I was in the minor leagues at that time uh but and then you know when I played with Houston I, I got to hang around him a little bit more and, and I realized he wasn't that big and he was just a normal guy like the rest of us which which was really cool for me and and stuff like that but uh <laughs> you know coaching wise um you know my dad pushed me and and um you know helped me along the way but the uh it, if I would say, in uh, you know, and obviously I had two high uh, two high school coaches that uh, were influential. Don Siriano and Mike Boswell helped me out a lot. And and uh, you know, um, as I got into the uh, pro area, Rod Nichols was a big influence on me. And later in my career, uh, Brad Arnsberg; um, those two guys really uh, really helped me. I, I, I guess I, you could say I. They uh, they earned my trust, and it was a lot easier to confide in them about certain things. I more or less maybe they got me, you know. I was a, a hard nosed kid that, that if I lost, I wanted to fight you. And I think that they uh, they um, kind of calmed that a little bit down, I guess, and try to make it to where I didn't show as much emotion on the mound that I was getting beat, and or you know if something didn't go my way, where I would just get really ticked off. So, um, they, they were more uh, mentally influential with me than I would say physically, but they did help the physical aspect of it as well.
2: It's great to hear. Yeah, it is. Um, so, you know, you suffered plenty of injuries during your career as most. Plenty? Athletes. Not plenty. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, mean, I prided myself on that. I didn't <laughs> have that many. I had three and I had three in 12 years. One of them was a, a surgery, the other ones were like pulled muscles because I overexerted myself.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but how did you overcome those like those injuries? That <laughs> is the
1: hardest thing in the world to do is I would tell you um, because you're on your own island. Um, you are you are uh, on your own island, basically, none of the team wants to talk to you because you're not helping the team and it's it's lonely. It's lonely. and uh, but <laughs> like I said, more adversity how how you bounce back from it is is uh, what makes a better man I, I know that when i had my hip surgery in 09 it was something that i i, I didn't know I, I was i was pitching through it for the most part of the season um i just thought it was something hung up and i, I didn't think that i could get injured you know with that being said and, and um i just tried to i just tried to fight and Get back as quick as I could, as possible, because I'm telling you, it's very lonely being on that disabled list. It's not, it's not a fun place to be, especially knowing that you want to help your team and you can't.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, if you could just talk about like the impact of your coaching staff and how they like impact your success.
1: Um. Well, I mean, it, uh, it it all depends on what kind of relationship you have with that with that specific coach um it, it's not necessarily a you know if you have to trust them you know if, if you have to you have to be willing to try different stuff and, and if it doesn't work then you have to tell them hey listen it doesn't work and some people have egos and get mad that it that you're not trusting them or whatever like that and then other times that you have coaches they just go you know what do this and then you do it and it works and you're like okay i trust this guy now you know so it, it's kind of one of those it's, it's more about a relationship more than it is uh uh being a good coach more than anything and trust is, is, uh, is a big, big factor.
0: Yeah, you kind of touched on how your coaches helped you with the mental your mental game as well. So talk to us a little bit about – I mean, baseball is a very mental game, especially being a pitcher. So just talk to us a little bit about, like, your mental preparation before going out on the mound each time. And just <clears> – <back throat> it, it,
1: it, it started uh, depending on – I always tried to figure out who I was going to face what I thought the lineup was going to be early in my career. And I put a lot of stress on myself and overthinking, couldn't sleep at night at times, just trying to going through how I'm going to start the inning off, how I'm going to get this guy out. Once I, the first inning was always my biggest problem because of the, uh, not necessarily anxiety, but uh, I guess it was basically anxiety and not knowing the not knowing how good your stuff's going to be that day is the hardest part of starting I would say you know it's you you go down the bullpen you start throwing the bullpen and you're like oh my god I suck today and you take that out on the mound and early in my career I was like it's not gonna be a good day today I just don't I just can't get loose I don't feel right or whatever it is when I stopped worrying about how my bullpens were before the game is when I became a better pitcher because I'm like it doesn't matter. This is just uh, – I had a couple of coaches tell me, too, like, this is just to get loose. It's not to, you know, hone your stuff in. When you get out there and you and you step on that first – in the mound, you throw your first warm-up pitch, something might click. And later on in my career, it did. Like, you could, I could feel that – I was like, whoa. That first fastball that came out of my hand of that first hitter, I was like, oh, it's on today. Or, hey, it's going to be a tough one today. You know, I'm going to have to fight through this one to try to give my team a chance to win. So, you, you don't always have your best stuff. When you go out there, you might have it uh, six to seven times out of thirty-something starts a year. You might have your best stuff, and uh, that doesn't always mean that you're going to blow it by people or get them out because those hitters are getting paid a lot of money to to hit the baseball as well. So uh, you have to be you have to be uh, on your game no matter
0: what. Yeah, definitely, and sometimes that mental game can kind of switch whether you're, you know, coming out of the bullpen or, or starting out. So you, you, you spent a little time in the bullpen and a lot of time as a starter too. So was that transition when – we know you made that transition from 07 to 08. So was that transition kind of tough or were you just kind of in the mindset of, um, whenever my stuff
1: mind – Stuff-wise,
0: it was very easy. Uh, Stuff-wise, because I had four pitches. I was
1: a starter. So mm-hmm. I, as a starter, you need at least – you need at least three pitches to work for you to get through the game. You know, um, I had four pitches as a as a closer, so I only needed really two to get through an inning. Maybe not even two some nights, you know. But I would say Tom Gordon, Flash Gordon, really helped me out and trying to help me transition into uh, being a closer or a bullpen guy. He taught me the rules. I guess you would say. Uh, you know, a lot of people don't don't know this, but like, if there's if you're up three runs, it's a safe situation. Up three runs pretty good chance the guy's not going to swing first pitch, uh, any of the hitters. They're trying to get base runners so they can get back into the game. A two-run lead, uh, you don't really know. Uh, it's kind of like uh, whatever you got to pitch to that guy's weakness, I guess. First pitch, if he's a first pitch swinger, you know, you just got to know the hitter you're facing. With a one-run lead, all bets are off that that guy, you better just bear down and go get him and attack his, his weaknesses or, you know, attack everything that you can with your best stuff that night. And uh, because it's it's one swing away from tying the ball game up and blowing a save, so
0: yeah, definitely. So so once you got to the big leagues, you were making your debut against the Cubs and you pitched the inning gem that night. So I mean, you certainly didn't seem nervous. So what was it like just just putting on the pinstripes for the first time and, and going out there?
1: I, you know what? I I, um, I it was more of a <laughs> it's a funny story about that because um, there's a guy that was in AAA with me, Pete Zamora. Uh, left-handed bullpen guy um, and he was been been telling me for most of the year because prior got called up early that year or, or you know or made the team early I don't know exactly what it was but he was telling me how much better Pryor was than me and I needed this I needed that and, you know I'm not as good as him so it was so when I got the call to you know up to the big leagues for um, to face I found out who I was facing and it and it was Pryor, and that kind of motivated me to kind of <laughs> shove it up Pete Zamora's rear end just to show him I was better than, better than prior. Um, at, at least that day I was, you know, at least that day I was, but, um, but that, that was kind of my motivation for that, uh, that I was facing prior and I was not going to let him beat me cause I knew I would never hear the end of it. And, uh, Zamora got called up, I want to say shortly after that, maybe September or maybe before then. And I told him, I, I said, I told you, <laughs> it was there was nothing but that was that was some of my motivation behind that it, you know it's kind of like me versus him at the time
2: that's awesome um so in your arsenal, what was like your favorite pitch to throw, and what did you think was your biggest strength as a pitcher
1: uh my biggest pitch was the strike <laughs> i i, I like i liked throwing strikes uh, <laughs> I needed to throw strikes I hated walking people it was one of my pet peeves uh just i couldn't stand it um you know free passes now there was times where they asked me to pitch around guys to get to the next guy or something you know but i i couldn't stand walking guys and um you know but i i would say more or less that was probably my my go to pitch if i was struggling would be my curveball and uh and i think that in the game today that's like a lost art there's not many curveball guys out there um there's more slider guys curveballs I guess not a very easy pitch to throw uh, apparently, but I've always thrown it I've thrown it my whole life i never I didn't learn a slider slash cutter until probably oh five oh six so um i I was always a curveball guy I never had a good change up or anything I learned to change up uh, actually a decent one in two thousand ten so I mean it was always a, a um you know work in progress with 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 uh with other pitches to try to make me effective, Uh, and when I learned the cutter uh, in 05, and 06, uh, 05, I learned it, Rich Doobie taught it to me, and and, um, I was learning how to pitch with it, and it changed my whole perspective of how to get hitters out, because I was a fastball, curveball guy. I was basically pitching with two pitches uh, for the first three years of my career, because my changeup wasn't very good. But, I was throwing, you know, harder then as well. So, but, um, you know, obviously the the cutter, you know, changed uh, the perspective of how to get hitters out and stuff like that and what my, um, you know, plan of attack was. Definitely.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And uh, who would you say is, like, the toughest hitter you faced during your career? Oh, man,
1: everybody thinks that it's going to be, like, Bonds or, you know, some of those big-name big, big name guys, man. And I'm going to tell you what, I could not get the little scrappy hitters out, man. David Eckstein was a pain in the you-know-what. I mean, I, could, I couldn't stand him, man, because and – and, and it wasn't that I didn't like him as a player. It was just like I just – I could not throw something nasty enough to make him out. So I just started it later in the career lead off the game. I throw it right down the middle and see how far he could hit it. <laughs> because literally he would he would get up there and, and, and run me to six, seven, eight pitches and the, and the, and the first hitter. And then, and then the third and fourth hitter, I got freaking dang Pujols coming up and ankle and all this stuff. And I'm going, what in the heck am I supposed to, I'm I'm tired. and Not that I was tired, but I, I had to work really hard to get him out. Mm-hmm. And it was a, it was kind of a, it was a pain. He was a pain, but but uh, but that's what made him good. That's what made yeah. him good.
2: <clears throat> yeah. And And uh, what would you say made that that 2008 team special? I mean, we know there was a lot of talent, but like, was there just like a chemistry and the determination of them? What would you say? Um,
1: cons- I have uh, I have my philosophy, and others might have theirs, but just from what I thought, um, I think the 07 season and you know, going out, uh, get, getting a taste of the playoffs and then getting swept in the playoffs. I think that lit a fire underneath our rear ends. And I, and I was I was uh, nobody was happy after that. Obviously, uh, there was kind of some turmoil with us. And I, I just felt like we were happy to be there. I said that in the papers and I got a lot of flack from Jimmy and, and Ryan Howard about that. But that's kind of like the way it looked. I'm not, I wasn't, I wasn't questioning them trying to play, but it just kind of looked like, Oh shoot, we made it. All right, cool. You know, I, I, I didn't, uh, <clears throat> then the next year we came in and Jimmy obviously said that we were the team to beat and we all felt it. Uh, we, we just didn't have the, you know, we didn't have the personality enough to say it to the media, you know, and, and I'm always believed if I say it, um, it better happen. I feel like if I say it, it wouldn't happen. So let's let Jimmy say it, you know. And and uh, so he said that, and there was no doubt. There was no doubt in our minds. And, and I had a terrible first half of the season to where I got sent down to the minors. And that's what makes that World Series, like, so much more special to me is because there was a lot of adversity for me. Uh, I come back trying to learn how to start again after being the closer the year before. And it was, it was very, very tough for me to understand that, you know, I'm not here to try to strike everybody out. I'm here to try to give my team a chance to win and go deep in the game. So when I got sent to the minors and everything that it was, a, it was kind of a wake up call for me. You know, I didn't expect that. I just thought they'd throw me in the bullpen and, and uh, let me get through it and or try to figure it out. And uh, they sent me to the minors for like 20 days. And I came back after the all-star break, a different pitcher. Um, went down and worked with Rod Nichols and he completely changed my philosophy and gave me a a plan. And it was like the dumbest plan that you could ever think. And he always used to tell me that hitters are stupid. And I was like, well, they can't, if they don't figure this out after two or three starts, there's a problem. And the whole year, that's all I did was the same plan. There was nothing else. I didn't care who was up at the plate. This is what I did and it worked. And we ended up, you know, winning the world series and, and, uh, and it was like bittersweet for me because I knew that I had got sent down and, and, uh, you know, I, we, I came back and, and, uh, big addition with Joe Blanton it gave me somebody that we could, uh, talk, I could talk to who had similar stuff as me and we fed off of each other. And I think, uh, you know, Moyer grandpa taught us a lot of stuff as well. Um, just uh you know not not necessarily com- he knew we were competitive, but he just had ideas for us of of uh, you know, getting hitters out and whatever it was. And and that that was that was huge because, you know, Hamels had Moyer to talk to and I had Blanton to talk to. And, you know, whether I pitched the night before or Blanton pitched the night before, we had he, I said, How'd you attack this guy? He'd asked me the same thing. So I, I think we fed off each other and, and learned from each other. And there was a little bit of uh Competitive nature out there. We wanted to uh, pitch better. Like, if you know, Hamels went before me, I tried to outdo him. and You know, they're you know, it just kind of trickled down from that. So,
0: yeah, definitely. That's a special bond. Love to hear about that. So, so walk us through. I got to ask about this the the 2008 NLDS game, too. Um, so, you had a great game on the mound but obviously the big story was um your walk against CC Sabathia and you got a hit. Yeah, a
1: lot of people forgot I pitched that game. They just thought I was a pinch hitter, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> um that was that was my best game that I pitched in the playoffs, you know, but it got overshadowed by the by, by the hitting but uh, Um you know what? The funny thing is, is um I would say it's like freakish that it happened, you know, but Honestly, man, when I got out there, you don't feel anything in the playoffs. The fans getting after it and, and, you know, 40,000-plus fans yelling at you and getting after it, it's it's a different adrenaline that you're going through than you are in the regular season. The regular season, you're you're still busting your tail to try to win ball games and stuff like that, but there's just something that the fans and, and the energy of the stadium and everything brings out in you and the adrenaline. It's a different feel. And, uh, you know, I, I went out there, um, the first inning I struggled on the mound and I, I didn't, I was because I was so amped up. And then when I got to the plate, I'm, I'm going, honestly, like the, I told myself, I'm like, who cares? Nobody cares if you get a hit right here. You know, like it, there's no pressure on you. You're supposed to get out with a guy throwing 97, 98 on your hands with a good, with a filthy changeup and a great slider. And you're not supposed to be up here. Like you're not supposed to get a hit. And, um, I can honestly tell you the focus that I had in that at bat was, I swear he was throwing beach balls up there. And I know that sounds stupid to think talking about a future hall of famer, but I'm telling you, it just felt like that to me. You know, the swings might not have shown that, but it just, I I felt like I could see it out of his hand. I don't know why. I don't know why, you know? And, um, and, and a little bit of that, a little bit of that was luck, but, you know, in high school I used to be a pretty good hitter. Um, obviously that didn't carry over to the big leagues, but, um, it's kind of hard when you, when you're up there facing guys throwing that, that hard and putting the ball where they want to put it. And, uh, and, um, so I, like I said, that, that was one of those things to where it just happened. And then the next at bat, when I came up there, I I don't, I, I was, I was like, man, he's, there's no way he's getting me out now. And, and I just I, – I guess I just bared down. I don't, I don't know. And the, the third at bat, that Jimmy Rollins and Victorino come running up to me and, and it was Seth McClung on the mound. They said, dude, he tips his slider. And when he does this, and I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. So I kept looking for a slider and he threw me first pitch fastball and I hit a base hit, a jam shot over second base. And I'm going, I was looking slider. I don't know what the hell they were talking about. I couldn't see it. I don't have as many at bats as you guys, okay? So, so that, was, that was fun. That was that was definitely fun and good times, and I'm and I'm glad that I can contribute to the to Philly's history, I guess.
0: Yeah, definitely, man. And that's that's got to be one of my favorite memories of, of 2008, just being a second grader watching that game. Um, oh, and, oh, it wasn't the
1: it wasn't the three hits with the three RBIs. The next game, I picked. oh yeah, <laughs>
0: that <laughs> that one's up there too, right up there.
1: That that was another freakish thing, man. Well, actually, you know, but here's the deal. I'll tell you what they do with pitchers. Pitchers, they allow them or when like. I know Charlie did this, and most every manager I had would never let a pitcher swing at the first pitch in any at bat. Take the first pitch, but in the playoffs, Charlie's like swing it. And I saw three pitches that game. I, well, I went four for five in the playoffs, and I saw, and every hit I got was on the first pitch. I said, Chuck, if you'd have let me do this early in the year, we'd have won a lot more ball games. <laughs> Or at least I would have, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I said, sometimes I had to help myself out, you know, because I'm, I'm, not, I'm not necessarily going out there shutting people out. I got to somehow find a way to help myself, you know.
0: Yeah, definitely, man. And so, I mean, even though you guys lost game two of the World Series, you pitched really well. Yeah, thanks. Thanks that- for bringing that up. I appreciate
1: that. The only loss we had in the World <laughs> Series, you're just shoving it right in my face right now, aren't you? <laughs>
0: <laughs> so I try not uh, to
1: tell my kids that. Yeah.
0: <laughs> my apologies but um I mean just kind of like that's something every kid dreams about growing up I mean you talked about your childhood you were dreaming of it from seventh or when you were seven years old so talk to us about just like being in the world series and and seeing that dream come true well I honestly it didn't it didn't feel like I was in the world
1: series when we were in Tampa um <laughs> and I, I I mean I don't look I live in Florida whatever I, I don't I'm not bashing Tampa Bay Rays fans or whatever like that, but I would have much rather pitched in Philly. Plus, I would have gotten a hit. So, that's, that's I'm just being funny. But uh, instead, Joe, Joe Blanton stole the thunder and hit a bomb. But, uh, no, it's, it's, I was – uh, you know, when you're in a dome like that, I mean, I remember coming up uh, playing in Montreal and stuff like that and just sitting there not knowing what – if it was night or day outside and it just kind of drained you a little bit, I guess you'd say. Um, not knowing what time of day it is cuz you can't really tell um but I, I i wish that game was in was definitely in philly uh it was better atmosphere for sure i mean obviously it's our home crowd but uh mm-hmm. but um in it, 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 in any aspect it, it was it was still cool you know uh, but it like i said it didn't feel like a world series in that stadium um exactly. but when we got back to philly oh, yeah, it definitely felt like a World Series, and I wasn't even playing, you know. So, I mean, we're all even cold or whatever it was, and we were just so pumped up we couldn't even be cold.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Who would you, who would you say was your funniest teammate during your career? Uh,
1: Ryan Matson was pretty good. He was pretty good. He was pretty good. He had everybody laughing. Uh, get on the mic on the buses and just who knows what he was going to say. But uh, I remember my face hurting a lot, laughing at him. So uh, yeah, he was—he was—he was one of the top guys. I would say for sure.
2: Yeah, and who? What would? I'm sorry. What would you say? Like in terms of locker room chemistry, how important was that? Like in terms of wins and like how that affected you guys' play? Uh, I don't think
1: I don't. You know I don't know if the locker room really has anything to do with any of that. I just feel like we were all out there for an agenda and we knew what we wanted to do. We wanted to go out there and just win. Um, it didn't. We didn't have to like each other. I'm yeah. not saying we didn't. I'm not saying we didn't like each other. I'm just saying, but we didn't have to like each other. It, it, we, we knew what our goal was and our goal was to go win a championship. And, you know, we were all very highly focused after the 07 loss and getting swept. And we wanted to make sure that didn't happen again. And I, did, I just say everything clicked and it came together. And, and uh, we, we uh, you know, after, you know, 10 years or so, when we went back a few years ago, that it, we still talk trash to each other and still kind of don't like each other at times. It's like, you know, it's, it's like brother and sister stuff, you know, like, or brother, you know, two brothers, you know. And sometimes you spend that much time with, with somebody, you're going to end up hating them at, at some point. Or, at least, hey, one week, I don't like you. All right, but we'll fix it next week. You know, like one of those things. So it's it was kind of like a, you know, a band of brothers, I guess you'd say.
2: <clears throat> yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Um, and what would you say made you decide to uh, hang up the cleats back in two thousand? After-
1: <laughs> well, well, probably because I couldn't shake somebody's hand. My my elbow was on fire, mm. um, and um, it was bothering me in two thousand twelve, and I. And I worked and I healed it up. I th- I thought um, went to spring training in 2013 with the Indians and and uh, was doing fine. Everything was going good. Typical spring training for me. Getting getting my butt kicked and having a good one here and there and trying to you know work pitches and everything. And uh, by the end of spring training, we're getting ready to leave. It's like a day or so left, and and I was like my elbow's barking a little bit and. Um, I went ahead and tried to pitch through the year and tried uh, tried to get through it. And I just, I just couldn't, I couldn't do it. Uh, um, the last fastball I I threw was in Houston and it was 82 miles an hour. And I tried to throw it as hard as I could. Um, and I just, and they came out and asked me if, if I was okay. And I was like, get off my mound. I'm finishing this inning. And, and I did and I did, but I couldn't, my, my oboe was absolutely killing me after after that, and and they did MRIs and stuff, and saw that I tore my flexor and sprained my UCL. Didn't have to have surgery, but it just took forever to heal. Um, and I'm I'm talking I'm talking two years after I got done playing, it was still bothering me. Um, and that's without doing anything with it. So that's that's kind of my agent called me at the end of that year and and thought I was healthy. And I told him I said, man, I. I can't even I can't even grip, you know the weights. You know I was trying to work out and get in shape. I'm like I can't even grip the weights. I, it's, I think I'm done. I think I threw my last pitch, and it's not that I wanted to. I wanted to go out there and pitch well for the Indians that year. I didn't. But you know, uh, I had a coach tell me, one of my high school coaches, there's only only so many throws in that arm, and I think that was my last one. That was my last throw.
0: Yeah, definitely. And so moving to a little bit of a, a better memory, um, you you froze Willie Moe Pena with that curveball when you in the in two thousand seven. So, talk to us about how special that memory was. I mean, Philly fans were were, well, dead, were, were a lot of a lot of
1: history with me and Willie Moe. Uh, speaking of which, I just saw him uh, at a travel baseball tournament. Our our two teams played each other, so it was kind of cool to see him he, he's always been a freak he was huge i played against him in the minors he was just a absolute monster just a big dude strong guy like and they're like don't throw this guy a fastball i mean that was the whole mo in the minor leagues do not throw this guy a fastball and i remember the announcer i remember him hitting bombs in, in the minor leagues Just going oh my so strong such a strong guy you know and uh i knew what i was going to throw him the whole time and I knew what I was going to get him out on because that's he couldn't hit a breaking ball. That was his MO. So that's that's uh. But but you know, winning it there, it it was it was crazy because Doobie and Charlie gave me a chance because I don't know if y'all remember um, as well. Sorry, it's a little windy, guys. But uh no, you're good. <laughs> um, I, I don't know if you guys remember the stretch that me and Flash and, and JC Romero went through. Um, like I I think. I think J.C. threw like eight, uh, nine out of ten days, and I was like seven out of nine or something like that or, or eight out of ten, something like that, just down the stretch for us to get to where we ended up uh, being in that last game to have a chance. And uh, I um, I remember Doobie coming to us every day, how you how you guys feel, and I'm like, give us the ball, man. Like, we're ready. Like, us three were like, give us the ball. We're ready. that but our, our goal is to, get, is to get to the playoffs, man. Like we're ready. Give us the ball. You know, all this pain will go away when we get to the playoffs, if we have any, you know? Um, so with that last, that last game, Doobie and Charlie said that, you know, I, we deserved it. Basically gave it to JC, gave it the flash and then gave me the ball at the end there. And uh, you know, it's, it's, it's very cool, man, to, to go down to history. But at the time I didn't even think that it was a big deal. I mean, it was a big deal. I had to walk, I had to step off the mound a couple of times, especially when, when they went final with the Mets Marlins game, when they went final on that, I had to get off the mound because the stadium was so loud and I was trying not to overdo it. like an overthrow. And, uh, I knew I had to get this guy out and I didn't, I didn't want to give him any base runners or anything like that. I wanted to make it quick and get the heck out of there and let's party. We're going to the playoffs, you know? And, um, you know i i i would tell you this though after that i i threw the ball coast chris coast gave me the ball i threw that son of a gun in like the third deck and and coast was pissed that he gave me the ball and i was pissed i threw the ball but i didn't know exactly what i was doing like the glove throw in the air and what happened i don't know what happened i was just pumped you know i and then and then get mauled. and then and then uh uh I literally got my rear end kicked from jump for jumping in the stands right there by the dugout. People just beating me up, like punching me, and I'm like, I don't see how that's fun. But you know what? Give it to me. Let's go. I'll be all right. I got a day off tomorrow.
0: Yeah, definitely, man. So you just you just talked about the Philly crowd a little bit. So a um, couple more questions before we wrap up. After having played all over the country in, in the big leagues, does any other fan base compare to Philly at all? Absolutely not.
1: There's no no way. I don't. I don't think so. I mean, um, this. I mean, I know where where I played and stuff like that. The other teams. It's absolutely not. There, there's no way. Um, you know, Philly fans will boo you to your face. They'll tell you you did great to your face, and and I appreciate that for from as a respect as a man. But at times. What what Philly fans probably didn't know about me more than anything was that I was beating myself up more than you were beating me up. I was more ticked off than you were that I didn't perform the way I was supposed to perform that night. I mean, I I remember breaking stuff in clubhouses before because I was so angry that I did I didn't do my job. And um, but you know what? Sometimes it just doesn't work for you. You know, it's it's uh, some days the other guys are better than you. You know, it's it's a uh, it's not for for lack of preparation. It's not for lack of skill. It's just sometimes the the that's why people come to baseball games because you never know what's going to happen. You never know, especially if streakers run out there. You don't know when they're going to do that, which is kind of funny.
0: <laughs> yeah, definitely, man. Love to hear that. Love love athletes playing like that in our city. We we respect that you. We love to hear that we're the best fan base too. It makes us feel special. That um, so we're going to move on to some get to know well, you. To it's up. just, it's just passion,
1: man. It's passion. And uh, you know, they know what they expect and what they want. And, and uh, I love the passion from that city. I mean, I, I played with the same passion, you know, I played, the, you know, I didn't want to go out there and suck. I mean, nobody wants to go out there and suck. We're not trying to go out there and suck it, but you know, you'll let me know if I suck, but I'm letting myself know, I'm punching myself in, in the face or, you know, smacking myself around like stupid. Why did you throw that pitch? Why did you do that? You know, and uh, you know you're always second guessing stuff. But um, you know, but the passion of those fans it definitely uh, definitely made you. It takes a certain personality. I've said this takes a certain personality to play in the city of Philadelphia um, and uh, and be a champion there. You just you have to you just have to have that passion that they have, and, and it's it's great. I mean, I that's that's I've never seen that in another city. You know, and, and Philly's not a baseball town. It's a football town. So, the passion that they had behind us those years
0: was unbelievable. Yeah, i love to hear that, man. So, we're going to just ask you a couple of get to you questions to wrap up. So, um, what was the fav- your favorite city you traveled to during your career? Oh,
1: man. I don't know. I always pitch good against the Cubs. So, I guess I'd probably say Chicago. <laughs> I guess if we're talking about career-wise, I guess. But uh, Chicago, just because – I had the debut there, and and I loved Rig- the Wrigley Field because you know I grew up watching the Braves and Cubs, being from the South, and and those were WGN and TBS were the only two stations that had baseball on. So, you know, Wrigley Wrigley Field was was uh was definitely a treat. Mm-hmm,
0: definitely. And going off the topic of road trips, what was your favorite meal you ever had on a road trip? I don't know. I ate everything. Look at me.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I did. I didn't really, I don't really know. It's, it's clubhouse food, I guess. I don't know, man. I, I didn't really, uh, I didn't really venture outside the hotel as, as much to go find restaurants or anything like that. I did go to Gibson's uh, in Chicago, you know, but most of the places we would go to a Morton's or something like that. I don't know. I didn't really, I don't care. I didn't care. I was like, give me some food.
2: Um, What was the best pair of cleats that you owned or just your favorite? The
1: ones I won in, I don't know. I mean, I I don't know. I mean, honestly, honestly, I can tell you the best pair of cleats. I I couldn't, I could not tell you because if I pitched like crap, I might have thrown those cleats away. I might have. I don't know, but I couldn't. If I pitched well, I'd keep wearing them. If I pitched like crap, I might just throw them in the back of the locker and not even know. It, you know, it it could have had three good starts in them, and I'm like, all right, these got to go. Not being superstitious or anything, it's just well, it was being, but it, trying to figure something out to right the ship.
2: And then if you would never play baseball. Would you have stuck with <laughs> boxing or do you think you would have done another sport? Uh, it, I It
1: was baseball or nothing. I had no, I had no choice. Hmm. Um, I had, that was all I gave. That's all I gave a crap about. That's all I wanted to do. And if I didn't make it, I, who knows where I'd be right now, honestly. Um, you know, I started doing music now and I, um, I was, able to do that to get around the right people to teach me how to do that type of stuff. And, and, uh, I always played guitar or whatever, but, but I just, that, that was never a passion of mine when, when I was younger. Uh, it kind of, it kind of came to fruition, um, later in life, uh, when I learned how to start playing guitar in 2002, which our video coordinator taught me how to do that. Kevin Camacholi, he's still working there for the Phillies. So, so he taught me a lot of on guitar and everything. And now, I got four albums out, and kind of like, oh, I didn't expect this to happen. But you know, like I said, a lot of time on a lot of a lot of time when you're on d on the DL when you have downtime, you start finding things for yourself to do and and uh, you know get better at it. even even when you're not on the DL. There's a lot of downtime in professional sports, and uh, you have to find stuff to do uh, with your time. And playing guitar was. One of mine, one of my passions, and and um, it turned into a passion, I guess you would say.
0: It's awesome. It's awesome, man. Well, thank you so much for your time, Brett. We we miss you in Philly, man. We could we could honestly still use you in the rotation today. I mean, yeah, it's been I, a little lost, I would, rough.
1: I could give you a good inning, but I wouldn't be able to wipe my rear end the next day. <laughs> well,
0: <laughs> thank you so much for your time and for this opportunity we know you're busy so um we're gonna let you, you got go. It. Is there anything you want say right. before we sign off
1: if uh if you haven't heard go check out the music go check out my music or go to brett
0: awesome all right we'll let you go all brett right. thank Appreciate it, guys
2: right.
0: see you guys see